Okay, Degenerates, we're here again to give you another episode of all your fantasy football topics. I am joined, as always, by the commissioner himself, the DFS Degenerate, Mr. Eric Defusco, and our Dynasty Degenerate, Mr. Steven Sampson. How you doing, nice Steve? Good, Brian. What's up, Degenerates? We are into week two of preseason. Hall of Fame game was uh, entertaining, but football's back. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good. Uh, this is going to be a good episode. We're going to get into finally get into a little rankings debate between the three of us. <laughs> Go over some of these discrepancies we have. Some of us we have some wide discrepancies on a few players. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Like Steve said, football's back, man. Season's around the corner. Draft season's real close. We're pretty much in the thick of it. Just going to keep picking up from here on out. And we are here to deliver you some feedback. Our analysis to hopefully help you guys win your fucking leagues, man. That, that's the goal. Oh, yeah. That's, the that's what it's goal. all about, baby. Fuck yeah. So uh, we're definitely going to do the rankings. But first, we got to talk about the mailbag. The mailbag. Connor writes in, says, hello, guys. Could vaccinated players make a huge difference this season in fantasy? He wants to win the Tyreek Hill memorabilia. And guess what? lucky for him he is entered he has shared a social media post he has now written us an email he's done all he has to do is wait for us to draw the winner's name it could be him it could be you but in order for it to be you you need to get entered share a social media post and send us a question via email or voicemail we're giving away a full-size tyree kill eclipse rep helmet autographed certified and just to go with it just to make your collection complete We're also giving away a custom autographed Tyreek Hill jersey. You're going to win both. One winner, two awesome items. So please make sure you get entered. Uh, Guys, vaccinated players. I mean, I don't see how it'd be all that different from last year, right? Like, it's still like COVID's still around and the players that aren't vaccinated aren't vaccinated. But it wasn't a huge issue last year. And now I would think at least a good chunk of the players are vaccinated. So. I don't know. What, uh, do you guys see it being an issue, Steve? I really don't. Um, I know that the protocols in camps and everything for players that are vaccinated, um, there you know, there's some separation with those that aren't, etc. But I think overall, everything's going to be handled the same way it was last year. Uh, they're talking about increasing the testing for vaccinated players because of the recent uh, outbreaks of COVID during camp. So they I, are. Yeah. I, I think it just goes right back to where it was last year where the players get tested daily. Um, pretty similar. I think to what most of us do in and out of work, um, we, where you get the temperature screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to start going back to masks. I think I read that somewhere or heard it on a broadcast. Um, so I, I just think it's going to go right back to what it was last year. And I don't think there's a, huge impact one way or the other yeah so i had read recently that so as it as it was when they starting camp the um unvaccinated players are required to get daily testing vaccinated players only required to get a weekly i think or every other week bi-weekly it was 14 bi-weekly but the nflpa kind of stepped in and said that they felt like it was kind of singling out unvaccinated players and it was unfair treatment so they changed the rule to now everybody has to get daily testing vaccinated or not and i also read a tweet over the weekend that stated i believe that 90 percent of nfl players have at least received one shot so that's pretty good number that's yeah. pretty good number nine yeah. out of ten have at least gotten the first shot yeah, do i man. think it's going to affect it's not going to like you guys said it's not going to be that much different than last year but it also sounds to me like they're going to be a little harsher they did come out and say that teams run the risk of having to forfeit games if they have a COVID outbreak and it involves an unvaccinated player and and a you know the guy breaks protocol and and breaks the rules so it could be a little different yeah and i ain't gonna lie to you like my whole stance on cole beasley how like anti-vax fucking that guy is I kind of tanked him down my rankings a little bit because I'm kind of like, dude, this guy will probably be like, fuck you, I'm retiring. Yeah. And, and he is so, uh, he's like, he's like Gandalf on the bridge, dude, planting that fucking staff. Like, I am not getting a vaccine. 
<laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a good analogy because that's pretty much pretty much what it reminds me of too, Eric. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not getting it, so I slid him down a little bit. I think I might, I might, I might not be as inclined to take him in the tenth round, eleventh, twelfth, like I was, just because of that. Like I'm like, eh. I don't think I can. He'll get definitely him hang lower. up the cleats before he gets that shot. That's that's for yeah. damn sure. So and, and I mean, he, that- and, he, and he plays in New York, which is like, yeah, it's not like he's playing in fucking Texas. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. Like, I, I obviously I have no desire to turn this into a political debate, but it's just. You know, it's the same thing we're seeing everywhere. You know, it's a it's a polarizing topic. The people that want it want it. The people that don't don't. And it's it's a difficult situation to navigate around politically. And is this right? Is it not right? Is it okay? Is it not okay? Um. So, but overall, the actual impact of players, I'm not. I'm not looking to draft players that are vaccinated. I'm not going to be checking their vaccination status during the draft. I am not going to note it anywhere in my notes. It's like, it's just kind of, if they are, they are, if they ain't, they ain't, you know, uh, that's where I'm at with it. So moving on. Uh, thank you for the question, Connor. Again, good luck in the drawing. Hopefully you win yourself some Tyree kill merch and best of luck. And uh, that's going to bring us on to the latest news that came out yesterday. Breaking news. So, you know, obviously this was the biggest news to come out yesterday. It's the biggest news in a while. Uh, It confirms some of the things Eric's been saying for an awfully long time. (laughs) Um, Apparently, Michael Thomas has not talked to the Saints the entire offseason, did not return their calls, had no interest in reaching out to them about anything i mean he already has his money so he doesn't have any reason to talk to the training staff about his hurt ankle or his head coach about the game plan um you know basically they wanted him to get the surgery right after the season he said no he got his checkup when he got to camp and they said hey your ankle's still fucked he said all right fine well now i'll get surgery then and now it's going to go into the season it's you know, it says the training staff pushed him to get the surgery. The coaches pushed him to get the surgery. They felt like he needed it. He wanted to wait. Obviously, it's his body. He can wait if he wants. But it does hurt the team. And it just seems like there's this widening gap between Michael Thomas and the New Orleans Saints, which, like, if you don't like them, don't sign the fucking extension. You could have been on another team by now if you really hate them that much, bro. Um Eric, what are your thoughts? I know you've been saying for a long time that you felt like there was a problem down there, and and now it seems like your suspicions are confirmed. So why don't you tell me what does all this mean? And I wish I never drafted him. In, honestly, dude, I wish I never drafted him in the Superflex League. No. If I could go back, <laughs> I would 100% redo that pick. Um, yeah. My team's kind of slowly gone downhill in that fucking league. Well, that's a different discussion. <laughs> I saw a quote, and I think it kind of fits Michael Thomas to a T. It said something like, uh, money doesn't change people. It just amplifies what they are. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, he got this big contract, and it's just like, here we go. It's like it's just been nonstop back and forth drama. It even was in, leading into – I mean, last year it wasn't all fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Smiles and roses. It, it was. They had some issues last year, too. This year you have the issues with the injury, which some people had – mentioned and i kind of was like ignored it they were like you know he never really looked into surgery for that deltoid injury and and, and i was like yeah he's, he's probably just rehabbing it or something he probably needs to get rehab through it and i come to find out he couldn't and it, it sounds i don't yeah. even know what to say dude anymore like he it's like i said he's just it's like a standoff with the saints it's like he clearly doesn't want to be there he's playing fucking games you go some for three months, you come to camp in June, and then you're like, ah, yeah. And then they're like, yeah, you need surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I'm telling it turns you, out my ankle isn't better. <laughs> 16 weeks, fucking 152 days, whatever it is. He's taken every day. He's taken every week. If you want to draft him, draft with that in mind that he is going to take every minute of recovery time. Mm-hmm. I can already tell you. I would, I would put, put my life on it. That's how confident I am that he's going to take every fucking minute of recovery time. You think he's coming back two weeks early? Puh. 
got another thing coming. So I, I would just, he's a flat out avoid. Like, don't even take on the headache this year. Draft somebody else, dude. Like, just don't do it to yourself. I mean, basically, his contract is pretty close to ironclad. Um, they wouldn't really save any money by cutting him until 2023. So I think they can cut him. They can't cut him this year. I think what I read was they can cut him by June 1st next year and save $15 million. Something, Something right around that number. No. Um, if, he, if they cut him, they would save $2 million. Next the, year? Next year, 2022. Um, the year after that, he they would it would cost them $13 million and they would save $11 million on the cap. So that's why I'm saying 2023 is like their first out. If it's yeah. if it's going to cost if – you, if you're only going to save $2 million to cut them, it's still going to cost you twenty two. It doesn't feel like a very good – it doesn't feel like a good out, you know, unless he's that yeah. much of a problem. Yeah. I think I they're going to be paying him. Oh, to, I'm to sorry. I'm sorry. That's cap money. I'm sorry. He has no guaranteed money in 2022. Right. Yeah, this is his this is his guaranteed year. Yeah. And, they would save then, him. Yeah, they would save 15 million. I apologize. I was yeah. stupid cap. Who gives a fuck about the cap? Cap is crap. You can always work around the cap. The real money is what matters and he has no guaranteed money. They'll take the 22 million hit on the fucking cap. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Probably, but you can't rate, cut him. It's been a you headache. You can't cut him. You got to trade him, right? Yeah. No, they'll they'll yeah. look to trade him. I, I somebody, be, somebody will. They might have to. Yeah. They're not going to probably get a great return, but somebody will trade they, for him. Some, yeah, they'll get. They'll get. I would be surprised if they can't get a first round pick for Michael Thomas from somebody who's going to mm. want that type of receiver. Oh, he's going to be better if he comes here. He's just unhappy with the Saints. Yeah, and it's still going to be Michael Thomas in it in a different spot still being Michael Thomas. It's definitely possible, but who's that wide receiver needy? We'll see what happens as the yeah. season goes on. You know what I mean? Somebody might get hurt to a point where they don't want to come back. Vegas um, Vegas may not have anybody by the time the season's over because all of their dart throws don't work out. That's true. Vegas is wide receiver needy. They're, they are they are a good name to throw out there, Eric. That's a good point. Detroit. Detroit yeah, then, but, but they're probably more worried about quarterback. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Washington kind of rebuild, could be one if, so if uh, he's not a good fit for that. Yeah, F one's the only real receiver that they have. So I mean, there's there, the Jets could be another one. Um, so there's a few names that by season's end could be trade candidates for Michael Thomas. But yeah, I don't see any. I think most of those are pretty lofty. But I'll, I'll give you Vegas and I'll give you the Lions. But I don't see a first. I don't see it. And maybe not. I you know we're just. I'm just speculating on. But you it never know. Point. There are stupid teams out there. It happens. Phil, Philly too. Yeah, maybe. And Philly is definitely stupid. But they're not going to have any first left by the yeah. time they trade for Deshaun Watson. So. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I agree with Eric that Thomas is going to take the most amount of time that he possibly can before he comes back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've dropped him way down in my rankings. I had him down in the twenties. And then when that hit yesterday, I got him at fifty. I might we I might even move him down farther. I haven't decided yet, but he's he's a late round maybe for me. But most likely, I'm on the same train as Eric, and I'm just avoiding him altogether at this point. Yeah, yeah, I got, I've got, I got him, him at I got him at thirty six, and that feels a little too high. See, I have him at twenty seven, in front of. You know, like the the really the third tier. I mean, he, I'm taking him as a flex play. Yeah. Um, you know, OBJ, Marvin Jones, Darnell Mooney, like they're all guys I like, but there's there's virtually no chance they're the number one on their team. And if Michael Thomas goes out there and plays, he is worth every single bit of that draft pick. It's just I'm basically like I'm not avoiding the risk of taking him, but I'm understanding that there's a serious risk, you know, so I kind of have him like in the middle of where he was before all this crap started and where you guys have him. I kind of look at it like I'm drafting him at his ceiling, but that ceiling's still really high. So let me ask you this. Do you <laughs> think Michael Thomas... I, I, just, I just don't see it. I'm sorry. Yeah. He's a head case. He's a fucking... I, I don't like to use that word, he's but this he year's is, Antonio he's a head Brown. case. He's a head case. Um, do you think 
that Michael Thomas plays before week eight? Um, it's possible. I don't know. Let's say he comes back week eight. Okay. Eric? I seriously doubt it. I think he's probably, well, maybe around that time, week eight. Okay. And so it, it, let's say he comes back at week eight. You still have nine weeks because uh, I think their buy is later, right? They're like week 12 or week 13. I think they have a week six buy, I believe. Do they? Is it earlier? So then he would yeah. have 10 games. Um, do you feel that you can get your return on him in those 10 games at taking him in where you have him ranked right now, Brian, at the at the wide receiver 27? Absolutely. Oh, my God, yeah. Okay. If he goes out there and, you know, after a week or two plays as a top 10 wide receiver, I'm not even putting him at number one. If he plays as a top 10 wide receiver and I took him in the sixth, seventh round. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He's worth that pick. Okay. Just and I would agree with you if he performs at that level. Um, Don't forget, too, though, like you you're going to have to write. So he's still going to go high in drafts. Yes, he is. Like, oh, yeah, no, I mean, fourth, I'm probably round. not going to own him. Yeah. And but, you, you got to sit on him. Not not every league has an IR spot. Not every, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you might have to ride him on your bench for eight weeks. And you better hope your team does well during those eight weeks. Because if you go into week nine and your team's fucking three and fucking seven or three and six, you're fucked. And you sat that guy on your goddamn bench. And you might not want to play him the week he comes back because a lot of people have that. Well, I want to see what he does first before I put him in my lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might not have to have a choice, but it's just it, it's it's a risk I'm not willing to take. I'm willing to take risk in other ways and, and taking an injury, a guy who's injured who just had surgery who seems like he's at a real disconnect between the team he plays for. Pass. Yeah. Easy pass. Oh no, I get it absolutely. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, for real. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying that I don't want to, I don't want to ignore the upside of Michael Thomas. Like you can say it's not there. It doesn't matter. It's there period. There oh, no, is he upside. has, he has upside. There, there's no doubt about that. It's whether or not he decides he wants to play. He also has a I ton of downside too. Oh, he does. Absolutely. And that's why I'm not taking him until, yeah. you know, wide receiver 27. Like I said, that's what? Sixth, seventh round. I mean, uh, that's more like fifth, I think. Maybe sixth. You yeah. be you should be fifth, sixth in a twelve team, right around there. But if I can if I can take a shot on him, maybe in the ninth, if he falls that far, I might. But I'm I'm not taking him at twenty seven where Brian's got him. I probably would go a little past where Eric's got him at thirty six. I don't think I would get him all the way down where I have him at fifty. I might be a little bit too low on him. I just uh, I'm erring on the side of caution with him because I think oh, he's yeah, going to come no. back and pout. I um, mean, I I don't think I'm going to own him. There's virtually no chance you're going to own him. You and Eric, there's there's no way. It's just not going to happen. No, zero point zero percent chance you guys own Michael Thomas, which is fine because you don't really want him. So right. yeah, th- and yeah, that's the thing. If he's there, I'm going to find a reason not to draft him anyway. <laughs> with julio so Uh, so anyways so that's pretty much gonna wrap up the uh michael thomas talk i think we said everything that needs to be said so uh let's uh go over our ranking yep i was gonna say it's a real quick blurb i don't want to turn it into a huge discussion but uh there was a tweet that referred to saquon barkley could potentially be out to week three possibly Mm -hmm. so keep that in your mind if you got some drafts going on soon he might be either out or limited those first couple weeks it sounds like they're going to really ease him in back into his role um they're taking a slow approach that wasn't new was it keep that mindful that just popped a couple days ago that was a couple days ago with the time frame oh okay so uh with all that being said let's move on to our rankings and we're going to talk a little draft let's talk draft you know, we're going to be looking at our, comparing our three rankings and whoever is the degenerate that is furthest away from the other two needs to justify their rankings. They need to tell me 
or tell Eric or tell Steve why they are right and the other two are wrong. They're the they're lone wolf in it. So <laughs> we're going to start with uh, quarterbacks. And, you know, obviously there's not that many quarterbacks. So really nobody's that far apart on any of them other than one, clearly. Fucking Steve. So yeah, we'll start with uh, Justin Herbert. You know, Steve, you and I have him ranked as QB5. Eric, you have him ranked as the QB8. Justify your ranking. Tell me why he's so much lower for you. So, based these rankings off a of four-point passing touchdown leagues, that's how I kind of did them. I think having him ranked ahead of Lamar Jackson is insane, personally, just because Lamar is going to get you legit a thousand yards and, and you know six, seven touchdowns on the ground probably. And he, Justin Herbert, does not have a floor like that. He's he will run. He doesn't have a huge ceiling when it comes to rushing, and. He kind of, this is kind of a strange thing, but he kind of sucked when Austin Eckler came back, believe it or not. He wasn't as good. He was a much better quarterback when Eckler was out. Because they were slinging. He was, pushing, he was pushing the ball more. He was taking shots more. He was moving it downfield. And when Eckler came back, he kind of started, you know, looking his way a lot more and settling up for those dump offs and. Mm-hmm. If you look at his game splits, you look at the games where Eckler was out, I think he was like a top three quarterback. But with the, the games where Eckler came back, he was like a middling quarterback, like 12, 13-ish. Well, I mean, I, I get your point about Justin Herbert, but can we talk about the inconsistency of Lamar Jackson? I mean, like it, it's a sin to rank Herbert below Lamar Jackson. He was a QB 10 last year. He was okay, and he got better at the end. But, you know... I think defenses have kind of figured him out. I don't. I don't think he's he's they the have but. turnkey kind of guy. I don't think he's locked and loaded top five. I think he is. No, no, no quarterback outside of Kyler Murray has the rushing floor that he has. Or the ceiling. I'm sorry. Just that alone is going to make Lamar a top five quarterback. I feel, and I think he's getting better. He's going. They're getting him more weapons. A lot of news is positive coming out of camp about Rashad Bateman. I think he's somebody I need to climb up my rankings. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't see a world where I'm taking Justin Herbert over Lamar Jackson. And I don't I don't see a world where I'm taking him over Aaron Rodgers or Matthew Stafford, who are the guys I have in between them. Uh-huh. I much prefer those guys. I like their ceilings better. Listen, I like the Chargers. I love Austin Eckler this year. But I am also reserved a little bit. Like, I, a lot of people think the Chargers are going to be like this double uh double digit win top five offense team and i don't think they're quite there yet i think people need to pump the brakes a little bit okay oh, they ranked way too high in the power yeah. rankings they were like fifth or sixth in the power yeah, rankings. They were a little yeah, too high it's crazy mm. um all right so we'll move on and uh next we got aaron Rodgers. uh steve and eric both have aaron Rodgers at number six and I have him ranked as my QB 10, which I actually I bumped him up when he agreed to come back and play for the Packers. But that's as high as I could get him. I'd rather have the guys ahead of him. You know, people need to pump the brakes a little bit on Aaron Rodgers. I think he basically had career highs in every statistical category last year. Every efficiency metric, everything. I mean, he won the MVP. He deserved it. But. The last four years, 16 touchdowns, 25 touchdowns, 26 touchdowns, 48 touchdowns. I'm sorry. I th- I think he's going to come back. He's going to come back to what he is. And if he's not, th- if he throws half as many touchdowns, he's not finishing top five. That's where I got him. I got him in the top. I have him in the top 10. He's number 10, but that's where I justify him. And. You know, he threw he threw touchdown passes. I think it was like nine point seven percent of his passes. Like it was fucking insane. It was it was the league high by a mile. That has to come back to earth, and that's why I'm ranking him where I'm ranking him, and that's why I'm low on Robert Tunyon because he was the beneficiary of a lot of those touchdowns. If Aaron Rodgers throws less less touchdowns, it makes sense that Robert Tunyon catches less of the touchdowns. So you know, I, I that's that's where I'm at. I'm fine with you having him at 10. I would just rather have him ahead of Stafford um, at Wilson and definitely Tannehill. But I can see your point. Realistically, when you get outside of the top five, 
the next like six quarterbacks are pretty close in points, anyways. So it's it's going to get more to a personal preference at that point, I, I believe. So I can't really dispute what you have to say about about Rogers with with him coming back to Earth. Um, I may not agree completely with it, but I can't dispute it all that much either because until the season actually starts going, we won't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you don't have them that far off from us. Kind of like the same thing with me and Herbert. Like it's not like egregiously lower. Um, mm-hmm. You can four spots back. I get the. I understand the reserves. He also has a very tough projected quarterback schedule this season, so that can also be a factor. But it's Aaron Rodgers. I think I don't really overlook that shit. Like I'm not too worried about. Oh, he's gonna have the 31st hardest schedule to face yeah. amongst <laughs> all quarterbacks. Yeah, I was like, yeah, he's still. He'll be fine. Yeah, I just I think he's still he might not. Is he going to throw 48 touchdowns? Probably not. I think he can hit 40. Um, Devontae Adams is still there. Tunyon's still there. MBS is still going to have those flash boom games. And you got Randall Cobb coming in. Aaron, uh, Aaron Jones just got his bag. He's still there. And I, I think this offense is still going to be top tier. So that's why I personally have him at six. I expect the drop off, but not substantial. Very well. So uh, that's going to bring us down to our next quarterback, Mr. Matthew Stafford. Uh, Steve, you have him as the QB 10. I have him and Eric, we both have him as the QB 7. Why are you lower on Stafford? I mean, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's finally on a good team. He finally has a good coach. I would think you'd be so excited for him. I I still have him in the top 10, um, but I would rather have Russell Wilson. If Deshaun Watson plays, I have him ranked ahead of him and Lamar Jackson. Uh, those are my my nine, eight, sevens. Mm-hmm. So I would just take those guys over Stafford. I think he's in a good situation, but th- that's really the only reason. I would just take the other two guys or three guys ahead of him. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when we get closer to the season, if something happens with Deshaun Watson, he's coming out and Stafford will, will drop to the nine spot. Yeah. So. But it's it's close, I think, between those three or four quarterbacks in that range. I, I think they're all within a few points at the end of the season. So it's yeah. just going to be more of a personal preference at that point. All right. So let's move on to the next guy. We got Mr. Matty Ice, Matt Ryan. Uh, Eric's been very vocal about Matt Ryan, and now he's going to have to justify why. Because Steve has him as the QB 11. I have him as the QB 12. And Eric, you have him as the QB 19, which in a one QB league is virtually unstartable, barely streamable. Uh, He's virtually undraftable. <laughs> Justify your ranking. Um, so here's the deal with Matt Ryan. If you draft Matt Ryan in your single quarterback fantasy league, you deserve to fucking lose. He has no ceiling. He led the league in pass attempts last year, and he barely finished as a QB one. He finished as QB 12. He has no fucking rushing upside at all. He lost Julio Jones. I don't care what you say. That hurts that team. He did much better with Julio there. It's Calvin Ridley. Yes, they got Kyle Pitts. I'm a little down. I'm not down on down down on Kyle Pitts, but I'm very compared to the industry. I'm down on Kyle Pitts. I don't think yeah. he's going to come out of the gate screaming. I don't think this team is going to be that good. Arthur Smith is now the head coach. They had a very slow pace of play when he was the OC in Tennessee. I'm very reserved on this team. And I don't like Matt Ryan. I don't. Why would you take Matt Ryan? Take take a fucking Jalen Hurts. Take a Justin Fields. Take a Trey Lance. Take a Trevor Lawrence or whoever. Take anybody. They at least have a ceiling. Matt Ryan does not in my eyes. It's Calvin Ridley. It's Mike Davis. It's Kyle Pitts, a rookie tight end. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, I just, I don't, I have no interest in Matt Ryan at all. So, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree with you he had a bad year last year there's no doubt about it i think a lot of that was the coaching and the game script which was absolutely fucking silly yeah they, but the game script last year was more pass heavy so he should have done better no I but i was gonna say yeah. so it's you know they would go out and they would throw the ball all over the fucking yard they would get a lead and then they would try to run the ball with todd Gurley. And that didn't work and they would lose their lead and they'd have to try to come back and they couldn't do it and they fucking lost and it's like the coach needs to look at his strength and be like, well, when I throw the ball, I do really well. And when I run the ball, I lose my lead and I fucking lose the game. What should I do? Uh, I'll just keep doing the same thing. Like, he's a fucking moron. That's why he's out of the job. And I'm hoping that this coach 
kind of maybe says, all right, well, if I take a balanced approach, maybe I can win some games instead of just throwing the ball everywhere to get my lead and then trying to run the ball to hang on to my lead, even though I don't have a running back. And that's why I'm down on Mike Davis. And that's why I'm not that worried about Matt Ryan. I still think he'll finish top 12. Um, You know, I mean, obviously the QB 12, you don't want to start every single week. He's a streamer. So. So let me get this straight. You think they're going to become more balanced and run past split more and you're down on Mike Davis. So you think they're going to run more, but you're down. He's on actually the a back. good, a good pass catching running back. No, he sucks. Mike Davis he's blows. Okay. He blows. He's, he's he okay. doesn't blow. That, he was a running back yeah. 12 last year. We'll talk about him on a later episode. So, Trust me. He's going to come up. Uh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> but I mean, um, no. So, it's what I'm saying is they're not going to go out there like they did last year. And the first half is just throwing. And the second half is just trying to hold on to your lead. Hopefully, because they hopefully they have a brain with a fucking a coach with a fucking brain. So if they do that, I'm a little higher on Matt Ryan. Who knows? Because NFL coaches are stupid. So we'll see if it happens. But that'll bring us on to Jalen Hurts. And Eric, you're going to have to explain yourself again, because Steve has him as the QB 16. I have him as the QB 15 and you have him as the QB 12. So why why rank Jay, why would you take Jalen Hurts over Matt Ryan, a QB they're actively trying to replace? Because he has a rushing floor, unlike Matt Ryan. Yeah, see, I don't I get mean, all caught up in the dude. The, some people get a little too carried away with the with the QB yeah, rushing upside. If you look at the numbers, dude. It matters. And I have. of course it matters. I just I I'm not taking it, it, him over Matt Ryan. Uh then that's your decision. I definitely <laughs> wouldn't even hesitate. I'm taking Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts could also rival a, a Lamar Jackson type as far as his rushing floor goes. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I what did he average? I think it was over 40 yards rushing a game. It's a free touchdown a game. Mm-hmm. A free pass and touchdown a game. Most leagues play in four-point pass and touchdowns. Yeah. That's a free touchdown a game just off of his rushing alone. You ain't getting that with Matt Ryan. Granted, I am getting a little concerned with Philly. This is going to be a guy to monitor because I could see myself sliding him back and back and back and back more because it just does not seem positive out there. Yeah. The wide receivers, I mean, you got Devontae Smith's already here. I've heard Jalen Rager is dealing with some personal issues. I guess he had a close friend who died, mm-hmm. so he kind of hasn't been himself, and he's just not running the right routes, and the coaches are constantly chewing him out. And they already have two gu- two of their two starting guards are hurt in camp, and it's reflected on Hertz. Supposedly Hertz has not looked that great. I understand all them arguments. I un- like that he hasn't looked good, but he's also not playing with a full squad, so I'm 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 baking that into my ranking and I'm like, well, he's already got alignment hurt. Probably his best wide receiver's hurt. His other, you know, year two wide receiver in Jalen Rager is not quite with it right now. He's going through a hard time with, you know, some personal issues and hopefully he can turn it around and kinda come back to form and, and take a step forward in year two. And I mean, they still got Goddard. They still got Ertz. It's they still have good weapons, and I think Hertz will be fine. He is a prototypical fantasy quarterback that I would like to throw a dart on late. He's a dual threat QB. Devontae Smith will be back for Week One. Everything I'm reading, they said it's just it's not going to be a long term injury, and I think Hertz will be fine. I do. I think he will be fine. All right. So that's I think that's pretty much going to wrap up the quarterbacks. We don't need to talk about these low level guys. Um. Let's move down to running backs. I'm going to change it up a little bit. I'm going to make you guys talk about your running back uh, rankings. Uh, we'll say we'll say running back uh, wide receiver for the next episode, right? So we're going to start with Jonathan Taylor, who uh, I believe Eric has had a little bit of a bone to pick with for some time. It seems like every time we 13. bring him up. <laughs> so I have him at seven. Steve has him at seven. You have him at 13. You need to justify your ranking, sir. Yeah, so I have Jonathan. I had him pretty low to begin with, and then with the recent injury news, I dropped him a couple more spots. Losing Quentin Nelson hurts. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I think he's going to. He'll probably beat Wentz back to the field. I'd almost guarantee it. And he could be ready for Week One. There's a there's a chance, but if you look at the uh, Jonathan Taylor's rushing stats, I believe he rushed for two less yards per carry when he was going away from Quentin Nelson. 
Mm-hmm. I believe it was 4.1 with Nelson, 2.1 without a 2.2 or something like that. There's a lot of concerns here. I think there's a lot of risk baked into Jonathan Taylor. I don't think he's a bona fide locked and loaded first round pick. I just, I do not believe it. I didn't believe it before camp started. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it now. You have Naheem Hines there. You have Marlon Mack there. Marlon Mack supposedly is looking pretty good, believe it or not, coming off an Achilles tear. They said he actually is looking solid. Naheem Hines is still going to take some receiving work. Even if Jonathan Taylor gets some receiving work, he's not going to get it all. And, and Naheem Hines is going to more so... 19, I think Naheem Hines is going to be more of a thorn in Jonathan Taylor than he is going to be like a fantasy-relevant player. I think he'll be fine, but I just I don't get why Jonathan Taylor is going so high. And like people love to use, and I had said this months ago, people love to use the David Montgomery... Well, the end of his schedule was so soft. Of course he was going to do well. So was Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was trash, dude, for like the first half of the season. <laughs> like, he was not good. He was not good. And then his 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 schedule opened right up. I believe he played Houston twice. Let me see. He played Houston twice. Vegas, who sucked. Jacksonville, who sucked. Pittsburgh was the only good defense he probably played. And that was his uh-huh. worst game of the worst game of the bunch. And he also played Green Bay in Week 11. Yeah, See, but against like, Pittsburgh, he had 74 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, 19.4 fantasy points. That's a good game. I'm not it saying is. that. But out of the th- out of the five between Houston, Vegas, Houston, Pitt, Jacksonville, that was his lowest scoring game. Uh-huh. That's the only point I'm trying to make. And I get that they started to shift him towards more of a lead dog, bell cow, whatever you want to call it. And there's even a report going around there. I saw flying around through Twitter where Frank Reich said, Jonathan Taylor is going to be our bell cow. Uh-huh. And that's all they share. And it's like, well, number one, what is Frank Reich's envision of a fucking bell cow? Because we don't know. That's all we really said. And then at the end of that, you know, you click on the link. Oh, let me read this. He goes, but we're still going to spread it around. Yeah. So yeah. you got ignore headlines. You got to click on the shit and read it first. So I don't think, like I said, I don't think Marlon Mack is useless. I don't think Naheem Hines is useless. I think those two combined are just going to be enough to keep him below reaching his potential. Like I, they're going to be enough of a thorn in his side to um, limit him from being a top eight running back. I think. So you just don't think Which he's going to get the work flat out. I don't think he's going to get the volume. No, okay. it's more of a volume thing with him. I'm a little hard on him as skill. There's sometimes I watch him and I think he looks good. And there's a couple times where I watch him and I'm like, ah, I'm not really that impressed. But yeah. Um, I, I'm a little hard on him talent wise. He's a talented running back. Don't get me wrong. And I, I, it's more of a, a, a volume thing. Yeah. It's more that I don't think he's going to get the volume to return his ADP, to return the draft capital you have to spend on him. Okay. If Quentin Nelson's back week one, do you move him up? Yeah, but honestly, probably not as much as you'd think. I, I would say two or three spots. Maybe two, yeah. Okay. Maybe move him to like eleven. Yeah. If 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 Nelson's not back, I'm projecting Nelson's back. If Nelson's not back, I will. I'll put him down to ten. But it's it's close, I guess. Okay. So and Philip Rivers retiring too. I'm sorry. That's also a factor too. Mm-hmm. Captain Checkdown's gone. I mean, he he nobody throws at a running backs more than that fucking guy. Well, when's Mike? Because he not going to be able to run anywhere. Yeah, yeah once historically <laughs> doesn't target RBs much, but... No. He might not have a choice. He, he's going to be he hobbling around for a little bit, yeah. I think. JT's the best player on that team. All right, so we're uh, going to move on to CEH. Uh, Steven, you have him at 19. Eric, you have him at 16. I have him at 24. And ba- basically, I'm just baking in that they're just not going to give him the ball. Like Kind of like what Eric was saying with Jonathan Taylor. It's basically just he's not going to get the work. I they were the one of the best offenses in football last year, and he finished as the RB twenty two because they just flat out did not give him the ball. He only had one hundred eighty one attempts with no one else on the fucking team. He had one hundred eighty one attempts, and he had fifty four targets. He only had five touchdowns. I'm sorry, but like, like this is the old argument. Well, you know, he's going to be on a top five offense. You always want a running back on a top five offense. Oh, well, that, that offense isn't going to be very good. He's not going to have a lot of scoring opportunities. And we've seen it flip. 
Clyde Edwards Hilaire is on one of the best offenses in football, and he fucking stunk. James Robinson was on the team with the number one overall pick, and he was top five all fucking year. You got to get that shit out of your fucking head. Like, I'm sick of arguing about it. It's like, it's just not fucking always true. It's an indicator, but you have to look past it sometimes. And with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, everybody is caught up with how good that offense is. And it didn't matter last year, so I don't see why it's going to matter this year. Yeah, but Brian, well, you're taking him at 16, 19, or 24. If he finishes at 22, you're fine. I mean, you're taking him in that range to finish in as a mid to low end RB2. So, yeah, and he's I'm, on a I'm great taking him offense, as but. RB24 because I want him as an injury handcuff. I, I mm-hmm. want him as, a, as a, an injury guy that I put in in case of emergency. He's bi week filler. I don't want to start the RB24. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, depending on how your draft goes, you might be taking him as your RB2. You know, if you go heavier in another spot or you take an, an early tight end. So I think he's going to finish right around where you're drafting him to finish is all I'm saying. Yeah. I just don't uh, – I mean, to me, the RB19 and 16, that's a guy that you plug in as your, as your RB2 and you're excited to do it. And he's not that guy for me. And that's fine. I disagree, but neither here nor there. <laughs> I, it's just, probably one, more once, to your once side. Levy, once they signed Levy on Bell, there was a huge shift. Yeah. Like he was, he was doing okay before Bell got there, and then once they signed Bell, it just was like he just kind of like I go circle back to Jonathan Taylor. Bell was a thorn in Clyde Edwards Hilaire's side, and he missed three games last year. He was playing hurt. He did say that towards the end of the season. They all say that. Yeah. yeah, I was playing her, but he, <laughs> he was said he was playing her, and yeah. I, I think Clyde will be fine because it's only him and Daryl Williams now, and yeah, but like a pretty decent discount. I'm I mean, fine you, taking him in the third round. That's where he's been going, but he's probably going to climb. You look at the work that Le'Veon Bell got: uh, six carries, six carries, four carries, seven carries, five carries. I don't think that it's going to be hard to find somebody to take that limited of a role. So I I don't think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just gets that work. You know, he's going to get the same work he got. I just, that's what I firmly believe. So I I just, I don't believe in him flat out. And uh, another guy I don't believe in, Raheem Mostert. I have him at 34. Eric has him at 35. Steven, you have him at 24. You got to justify that shit. Well, he's the starting running back in Shanahan's offense. Until he's hurt or they replace him, he's going to get to work. And what do you think the chances are that he does not get hurt and does not get replaced? Zero percent. <laughs> that's kind of my point. That's why I got him so low. I don't know if if that's Eric's reasoning, but. I think at some point he does get hurt, I think, or he loses a significant share of his workload. But when he's on the field, he averages over five yards of carry. And if I'm taking him, you know, he, he's a good receiving running back as well. You're averaging 9 to 12 yards per catch. In that offense, I, I'm I'm fine taking him as a low-end RB2. I'm going to probably look for his handcuff later on in the draft because I do think Sermon will take a decent amount of the workload or at some point replace him if he does get hurt. So I'm going to try and take him later. but. I want that, you know, if I'm going to take him as my RB2, uh, I'm going to do it because of the offense that he's in. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, that will bring us to Mike Davis, who <laughs> we talked about, we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, so you guys, uh, Steve, you have Mike Davis at 17. Eric, you have him at 20. I have him at 29. Uh, he's a guy that I'm not excited to, draft uh i don't want to start i don't believe in him he's bad he is not a good running back he had a pretty decent year last year um he's been in the league for six years and it's the first decent year he's ever had so i'm not interested in mike davis i think last year was an outlier and i just i think he's not good so obviously i'm not that interested in drafting him he has opportunity so I'm not opposed to drafting him, but I'm definitely 100% not taking him in the top 24 because there are guys with more upside than him. 
the only season that he's played all, a full season other than last year was in 2018. He finished as the RB 36. Mm-hmm. He's never been a lead back until last year. And that was only because McCaffrey got hurt. He was a fill-in. So I'm actually in the offense that he's in. There's nobody behind him to take the work. He's a patch catching back. You know, he had 70 targets last year. I like Mike Davis. I'm fine with taking him as as a mid-range RB2 with some upside from week to week, especially in that offense because Matt Ryan is going to use that running back because they lost Julio. You, you get the two tight ends so they can run more 12 personnel sets. And Ridley, realistically, is the only wide receiver of note on that roster right now, unless mm-hmm. somebody proves himself. So he's he should be the beneficiary of a ton of targets and rushing work uh, with the new offensive coordinator and head coach coming over from Tennessee. So, and I, I, I could be I could be wrong. Low on him, but I could be wrong. But like I said, I, I just I'm not I'm not putting all my eggs into that basket based on one year out of six, and he's on a completely different team in a completely different system. He's on the team that threw more than anybody else in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. And I just... Yeah, how many yeah. how many targets did, did uh, Gurley have? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Todd Gurley had 34 targets. So he's going to get at least 34 targets. That ain't much. And no, I, that ain't I much. I think it's going to be more. Compared I, to last year, Mike Davis had 70. 70, right. I, I think... That Davis will get more. I think part of it was Gurley just sucked, just flat out sucked last year. But but that's kind of my point is that I think Mike Davis sucks too. So yeah. I'm kind of lumping him in. I'm kind of expecting what I got out of Todd Gurley with Mike Davis. That's the difference in the ranking is that you guys think Mike Davis has some talent and I don't. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this is a guy we can all agree is talented. Oh, I'm sorry, Erica. I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's like this super talented running back. I mean, I, I think he's better than you're giving him credit for. But it, his is more of just an opportunity thing. Like there's fucking nobody else there. Like I like JV and Hawkins. I'll, you know, I I do dig him a lot. And I think he has a sneaky mm-hmm. potential to have a third down role. But I'm just looking at. Like I said, I look around in that backfield. They did really didn't do much to bring in competition. I'm like, it's got to be Mike Davis and. If he has the potential to be a three-down workhorse and you can get him in the fifth, sixth round, I mean, that's a yep. good value. I don't care who it is. That's mm-hmm. a good value. You don't find they, them guys usually that late. No, and they cut all the dead weight behind him. You know what I mean? All of those guys that were behind Gurley and taking targets and, and rushing shares are gone because they, they weren't any good, so they got rid of all of them. But that's my point, is that Edo Smith and Brian Hill weren't any fucking good and they still got work. So just because the guys behind Mike Davis suck doesn't mean that they won't get work. You know what I mean? So it's like the idea that he's all by himself, I, I 100% disagree with. I don't think he's going to get the kind of volume that some people think he's going to get. I'm not going to put words in your mouth and say that you think he's going to get. And I don't think he's as good as people think he is. So the combination for me tanks him down my rankings, and that's where he's at, where he's at. Sure. Um. A guy we can all agree is talented is Mr. Austin Eckler. Steven, you have him at 14. I have him at 13. And Eric, you have him all the way up at RB7. I love me some Austin Eckler. I think he's a top-end RB2, but RB7? I mean, who are you taking him ahead of? I'm taking him ahead of some big names. Yeah, you are, dude. uh, Eric, you have him ahead of Gibson, Chubb. Uh, Yeah, and I might be moving that. Najee. The more I think about it. Mixon. Swift, Swift Taylor, Taylor Barkley yeah I take them ahead of most I'm taking them ahead of most of them guys the only one I'm, I'm getting a little I'm man I'm swinging on uh Antonio Gibson boy yeah you're coming around Ooh, he's got he's got some there is some positive camp news coming on about that kid and yeah. I think the negative about Gibson is more likely to happen than the negative with Eckler so they both have like a flaw, you know, obviously with Gibson, it was, is he going to get more work in the receiving game? And that's looking more true than Austin Eckler's biggest negative. Is he going to get goal line usage? Mm-hmm. I think there's a better chance that Gibson's going to get receiving work than Eckler gets the goal line carries. Eckler, that's, I'm going to kick it right off with the cons about Austin Eckler. Goal line usage. He doesn't get used much on the goal line. He's probably not going to get used much on the goal line. And I think this what really holds him back from, from being a top five running back. 
Uh-huh. But you're talking about a guy who's going to get over 100 targets, most likely, uh-huh. in the receiving game. This is PPR. This is a PPR ranking. If this was half point or standard, I would not have Austin Eckler this high. Yeah. You're telling me I'm going to get over 100 targets from Austin Eckler. There's only three running backs, I believe, who did that last year. Alvin Kamara, J.D. McKissick, and I think there might have been one more. It might have just been them two, now that I think about it. Um, this this team You're talking about a team, the Chargers, they came out and they vastly improved their O-line. They signed an all-pro center from Green Bay, Corey Lindsley. They drafted uh-huh. Rashawn Slater in the first round. And they signed some other guy. I can't think of his fucking name. Uh, they got <laughs> He's a, an offensive they, line, but nobody yeah, knows his they, name. Another O-lineman. They, no team tried harder, I feel like, to, to fix their O-line than the Chargers because they yeah. were dead fucking last last year. That's going to help Eckler. Yeah. And Slater kind of fell, fell in their lap. I don't think they were anticipating that. But, no, I don't think so either. But that, that was a great ad. I mean... You you look at it you you so you look at his targets like you look at his stats okay you you extrapolate them across the season with Herbert, hundred seventy three rush attempts, hundred fourteen targets, mm-hmm. seven targets a game, ten rush attempts a game. I don't really care about the rush attempts. It's not why I'm drafting him. I'm drafting him because of that seven point one targets. Yeah, he's just going to get heavily targeted in the, in the receiving game, and especially if like I said with my my negative on Herbert. Herbert doesn't do as well when Eckler's out there because he targets him a lot. And if you you circle all the way back to actually Herbert's high school days, he's always targeted running backs above average. Even in college, I believe in college, he targeted running backs on like 24% of pass plays. That's insane. Mm-hmm. It's 7.1 targets per game that would have tied him for first place with Dalvin Kamara last year yeah. amongst all running backs. Like. Simply put, it's the target share with Austin Eckler. I it's in the negative, like I said, is touchdowns because I he's not going to get the goal line work. I probably maybe I do have him a little bit too high because he's not going to really have many touchdowns. I'd be shocked if he gets five. But yeah, um, that's basically it. And that's kind of where I'm at with him. I just took you know a, a ahead of him. I've got guys that I consider that I think are going to be workhorse type backs and. They just have a lot more touchdown upside. Um, you maybe I think you're right about Gibson though. I think I've got him way too low now that I look at it. But you know, I got Eckler at 13 above him. I got you know Swift, who is another PPR monster. Uh, Joe Mixon, who's going to dominate the carries. Najee Harris is a workhorse back. Nick Chubb, like for the most part, I just I just have guys ahead of him that I consider to be beasts, and their roles are undeniable. And Eckler's health scares me a little bit. You know, granted, a lot of times he plays through his injuries. Joe Mixon's doesn't. Well, it does. It does. Nick Chubb got hurt last year. A lot of them guys get hurt. I mean. Well, it, no, but it, it's just Eckler. It, it's not just that he got hurt last year. It's that he has a history of getting hurt. And like I said, he doesn't miss a lot of games. He'll play through it, but his performance suffers. You know, you can go back and you can find four or five game stretches where he just wasn't good because you know he's playing through an injury, a hammy or whatever. And, you know, you you have that with Mixon as well. It's a fair point. But Mixon, if he's on the field, is going to score more touchdowns. So that's why I got Mixon ahead. Yeah, just I, I can't I can't take him ahead of Nick Chubb in PPR formats. I just I can't do it. Yeah, I, I just I, I, I could not disagree with that any more than I do. Um, that's fine. I mean, Nick Chubb, if, if he stays on the field, which, you know, obviously last year was the only time he's ever missed any time, he's he's a top 10 running back, guaranteed. Kareem Hunt or no Kareem Hunt. So, to me, that's that's a no-brainer. But that'll take us down to one of my men, my man, my boy, Michael Carter. So, Steve and Eric, you guys both have Michael Carter at RB29. I have him all the way up at RB15. Maybe I'm a little high on him. I he probably should be like sixteen, seventeen. But <laughs> I def dude, I believe in him. I believe in him. I think he has every chance in the world to finish as a fantasy RB one. And I just can't bring myself to drag him any lower down the rankings. There's nobody in front of him. He's in a great system. He's a talented kid. I don't see the what, downside. What team does he play for? The Jets. The uniform, that's the only downside. The uniform's yeah. the only downside. <laughs> and the OC as well. Like I said, you got you to gotta look at where he comes from. 
Where does LaFleur come from? He comes from a Kyle Shanahan type system. They use multiple running backs. Just because I don't think Carter is going to be this 80% workhorse. I just, I don't. There's somebody there that we don't sniff out yet. I don't think it's LaMichael P. Ryan, but there's going to be just somebody who's going to eat into that workload. They're not going to feed Michael Carter as much as I think people think. And I think if they do, he's going to get fucking hurt. So, I mean, I don't think that he's in line for 80% of the work. Uh, no, I don't either. But if they're a run-heavy offense and they are an efficient running offense, if he gets 60% of the work, he's top 12. Done. Automatic. I mean, James yeah, Robinson last that, year needed, what, 90% of the workload to be a like top 80, 12 running 80s. back? Yeah, because mm-hmm. they were on a bad offense and couldn't score. I look for the same thing with the Jets. They're a bad offense. They're going to have trouble scoring until they prove us otherwise because that's just what they've been for years. Um, if Carter's not getting that 80%, I don't see how he can be that number 15 running back. That That's my hang-up with it, is I, I don't feel comfortable enough with the Jets' offense. I don't feel comfortable enough that he's going to get the workload he needs to be that high. Uh, like talent, I said. Uh, sure, I like it, but I just don't, I don't feel yeah. comfortable enough that he's going to get what he needs to be there. That's kind of part of my reasoning too is that like it's still the jets i I think they're 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 a rebuilding team in progress i don't think they're going to hit the ground running so they're not going to be in the red zone as much as people think like scoring opportunities are going to be few and far between i think i don't think they're going to be racking up 28 points a game like they're going to be like low low uh mid mid high teens you know a 17 16 Mm -hmm. points a game type of team so i just i i disagree i think I think they'll be an okay offense, you know, like you said, nothing special, but if they if they're run focused and they're run heavy and they run an efficient running game, then I think he'll be fine cuz he's a lot more talented than James Robinson. James Robinson was the beneficiary of a lot of volume. He's not a particularly talented guy. He's better than the NFL thought he was. He shouldn't have gone undrafted. But you know, there there are a lot of games where there's, there's games last year where James Robinson averaged less than three yards a carry. Like he wasn't particularly great. He's not. He's not a, a really talented kid. I think Michael Carter is. And so yes, James Robinson needed eighty percent of the volume. I don't think Michael Carter does. So that's where that's at. Next, we got Ronald Jones. Steven, you have him all the way up at 25. I have him at 36. And Eric is getting straight up disrespectful with RB42. <laughs> Who's this? Ronald Jones? Ronald yeah. Jones the second. Dude, I think I think Ronald Jones is actually just real quick. Sorry to, to like cut everybody off. No, but like I, I think he's a fairly talented running back. Like I think he looks pretty decent, man. Like when when I watch him play. Like I think he's not as bad as people make him out to be. But the team hates him. They hate him. They do everything they can to replace him. They keep him on the bench. There's like a five-headed fucking monster there now. Like, I'm just, I think the more I think about it, dude, I'm all set with Tampa Bay running backs. Maybe Giovanni Bernard late because he's actually pretty much free. Just about to say that. Yeah, he's the only one I'm looking for. The other guys have to fall in my lap. But, uh, Steven, justify why you're so much higher on Ronald Jones than me and Eric. Eric justified being so low, and be honest, I think I might be too high. I look at Jones, they don't want him. That's that's obvious. They haven't wanted him for two years. But he finished as the RB26 and the RB20 in PPR on a team that they don't want him. They had Fournette there last year. I mean, obviously bringing in Giovanni Bernard is going to take some more of the passing down work on third downs. I, I would have no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But I still think he has the potential to finish as – you know, a low-end RB2 or a high-end RB3, even with those other guys on the team. Um, is is he talented? I believe he is. But I don't think the team has changed their opinion of him. I think if he were able to go to another team, that he probably would be better for fantasy. But I still think he has the potential to finish in that spot. Am I going to draft him? Mm. probably not because by the time I get to that point, I usually have already taken my running backs. But if I was going to take a different strategy where I went heavy on my wide receivers first, yeah, I probably, if I had to pick one out of the backfield, I would probably go with Ronald Jones over Fournette and Geo. 
I would mm-hmm. like the value of Geo late in your draft because I do think there's some potential flex there. But I just, I just know that they don't like him, and he's still been able to finish as an RB two. So I mean, I'll I'll lump this in together. The next guy we're going to go over is Leonard Fournette, who you have at thirty four. Eric has at thirty two. I have at forty two. Um, to me, the big deal is Giovanni Bernard. It's not that I think Giovanni Bernard is great. I don't. I think he's pretty good. And it's not that they just happened to sign him. You know, if he was just a free agent and he got signed as a depth piece, I would be looking at it different. Tom Brady took time out of his life to go recruit Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni Bernard was was a free agent that got released because he asked to be because he wanted more usage. He's going to be on the field. He's going to have a role. Tom Brady personally went out there and recruited him, him and Arians. I'm out on Fournette. I'm out on Ronald Jones. The only one I'm interested in is Giovanni Bernard because I believe in his PPR upside. This is a three-headed monster, and I think Giovanni Bernard has the most pass-catching upside out of the three, so he's the only one I'm even going to look at. There is a 0.0% chance I draft Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Yeah, I mean, I, I get your point with Fournette, and that's why I have him lower than Jones. I I think Gio's going to take probably more work from Fournette than, than Jones. But mm-hmm. I do think it's probably going to be a week-to-week thing, and they're going to go with the hot hand. So whether that's Fournette, whether that's Gio, or whether that's Rojo from week-to-week, I don't know. But I do know with Tom Brady there last year, he finished as – the running back 20. Mm-hmm. I think Fournette was 30. I think he was right around where I have him. I, I'd have to look again. But, it was 35. Yeah. So, and I, I would guess he probably will fall closer to where you have him by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Gio will move up from where he finished last year. But it, it's muddled, and it's kind of like the wide receiver core there. You have three good wide receivers. Who do, you, who do you start? Same thing with the running backs. It's going to be week-to-week and, and matchup-based, I think. I, I agree with a lot of that. Like I said, I'm not even super stoked on owning Giovanni Bernard, but if there's one that I'm going to own, it's Gio. I think um, there are going to be more guys I would look at as like DFS plays than season-long, personally. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Maybe one of them gets hurt or something. During, I don't want to wish that, but... Like, you know, if one of the guys gets hurt and he's going to miss a week, then maybe it's like, hmm, maybe Leonard Fournette's an interesting DFS play this week because they're playing the Carolina Panthers or something, and their Russian defense sucks. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I have literally, like, no interest in owning Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette in season long, and I probably have Leonard Fournette too high the more I look at it. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking the same thing about Rojo. <laughs> All right. So, uh... That's pretty much going to wrap up our uh, rankings discrepancies. We did uh, we did quarterbacks and running backs on this episode. Um, next episode, we're going to be doing a super flex mock draft. So please tune in for that. The episode after that, we'll be doing wide receivers and tight end discrepancies and uh, talking about where we draft them and why we're higher and why we're lower. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Obviously, we love you. Uh, Steve, any parting words for the listeners? Your last chance to get into do get your entry in for the listener league. Get off your ass, send the fucking email, and ask <laughs> us to be in the league so that you can tell us how bad we are at fantasy football, or so that I can laugh at you when I beat you. <laughs> so, uh, like like you said, this is the last week to get your entries in for the listener league. So email us, just say hey, I want to play, and we'll be choosing. Uh, people randomly to join the listener league so uh, get your entry in the winner will receive a full-size replica autographed brandon iuke helmet and second place will get a custom jersey brandon iuke autographed uh, i believe it's beckett coa i could be wrong it's it's certified so that's what matters yeah it's beckett <laughs> okay um so you know thank you guys for listening uh please don't forget about the other giveaway. We're giving away a full-size Tyreek Hill replica helmet and custom jersey. One winner gets both. All you have to do is leave us a question. You can drop a, you drop a voicemail to 508-343-8010. It won't ring. It'll go straight to voicemail. 
or leave us an email at dddfantasyfootball at gmail.com. You can also submit a judgment. You want your mock, your trade, your league, your draft. We'll judge anything. We'll make a special episode just for you, just for your teammates. Um, we are getting a little log jam with them, but we're going to get through as many as we can. And we're, if we'd like to do them all. So we'll, we're trying. If you do that, you're automatically entered on top of getting a special episode just for you and your friends for nothing. Uh, you're also entered to win the giveaway. You can also join our Patreon at the $5 tier. You can find that by going to our website, daydreamingdegenerates.com. That's where all rankings are. You can check those out while you're there and look at the picture of the latest giveaway. And, um, you know, all you have to do is leave us a question, join the Patreon, submit a judgment, share a social media post. It's that simple, guys. Any one of them, you know? So please feel free to reach out. Let us know what you think of the show. Tell us we're right. Tell us we're wrong. Tell us we're stupid. Uh, we get plenty of those. <laughs> you know, just thank you guys so much for being here. Please join the Listener League. We want to play with you guys. We love you guys. We wouldn't do this show if it wasn't for the listeners. Check out the website. Get entered for the giveaway. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging around. We'll see you next time.